Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/host. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A Davies. You better than that on Talk Sport. Hello and welcome to another Fight Night podcast with me Gareth A Davies and my old buddy Adam Catterall. Well, we have a fantastic show for you this week starting with Richard Reakpor up soon against Christoph Glovacki Richard is going for a massive 2023 people want to see chaos people want to see explosive fires i want to be the the face of boxing and i know what it demands it demands explosive finishes highlight reel chaos and i'm 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 that's what i want to deliver i want to do all that and i want to give the fans what they want pure entertainment you know a little bit of boxing skill but but big KOs and um yeah we're going to go we're definitely going to go on for the kill for 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 Glovacki in, in, he, he can be a cagey awkward opponent as well and he's southpaw and we know he's got some power um yeah. i mean without asking you the game plan i mean pressure on him in this fight yeah absolutely uh, always intelligent pressure as you can see he's um He's like a cat, you know. You come too close yeah. and you play too much, you scratch you. <laughs> you know? that, so you have to that crouched, weird yeah. style, and, and it's a, it's a weird type of style. You don't, yeah. It's a very unique style, you know. The, it's like laid on your on your back foot, but I feel like that probably suited him earlier in his career. I think it would take too much time to just come back and and cower off that shot and mm. land shots mm. against me. But you never know; he might be faster than 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 I think. You just never know. But I'm going to be extra cautious. I'm going to feel him out, and then when I when I sense blood, I'm going to take him out. If he makes any mistakes, I'm taking him out straight away. There is there pressure off you in a sense that Chris Eubank Jr. and Liam Smith are headlining, and that this is a very important fight to set up your year, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. There's a lot of pressure on me. I'm used to the pressure, you know, Gareth. Like throughout my whole career, you know, I never had, I never like had like a silver spoon or anything. But I had to create a position for myself by winning, and no matter what. And I'm used to it. I'm used to it. 
going into those fights where, you know, it's 50-50, sometimes it's even 40-60 to my opponent. And it's like, look, I have to just win. If I don't win, who knows what's going to happen next? Who knows where I'm going to go? Or if I'm going to even have a career after this, after this fight. And that's all I'm focused on, pretty much. I put a lot of pressure on myself. And, um, you know, it reflects my training, reflects in, in my mindset and how much I dedicate to this. And um, I'm confident at the same time because I put pressure on myself and, um, you know, in preparation, I make sure I give them my all. And I've, I've received some good results from doing this. I understand the way this works now and, and my gifts. So I'm, I'm confident and I know that I'll, I'll get the win. But one of the things that you and I have spoken about, even over the last two years, is, um, and, and you've shown it, that you do soak information, criticism. Um, you soak everything up like a sponge. Yeah, I think, I think that's what makes the fighters better. You're not emotional about it, is what I mean. You don't get... Some people emotionally get themselves emotionally involved, but you seem to remove the emotion from it. Yeah, I, to be honest, I'm, I'm human as well, Gareth. I, sometimes I do kind of get emotional, but it's not that type of emotion where I would be looking for the person, the, crit, um, the critic, and, and wanting to have a you know a back and forth with them. <laughs> it's not like that. It's more like I use it as fire in me yeah. to train harder and to improve yeah. what they're talking about because sometimes some of these critics are, are, are right. He doesn't have no footwork. He's flat-footed. He, he doesn't throw enough. He's... He, he looks like he doesn't have too much stamina. Sometimes you have to go back and look at the fights and say, you know what? They actually have a point right there. Mm -hmm. They might not know what went on in camp or if there was an issue with my body. Mm -hmm. But there's some things that they've said, which is right. And all I do is just go back and just work on it. It's just, it's just that simple. And um, what happens is with me, most of the people that have uh, critiqued me in the past, I've actually gone back to thank them because it's actually... Uh, it's actually made me a better boxer and made me um, win in, 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 in a certain fashion just because of, the, of that critique, you know. So I, I, I open it. Um, I'm my biggest critique, to be honest. You know, I, every time I jump in the ring, you can ask Angel, I'm like, what do you think about that? And he's like, no, it's good, it's good. But in my mind, I'm like, I don't believe you. I, I ask him twice and then I, I still think that's not good enough. So that's how I kind of brilliant keep myself improving. No, brilliant mindset. Brilliant. Yeah, it's, mindset. it's just yeah. not good enough. It's, I always just think it's just not good enough. Even some of the wins, you might see me after the fight. Um, I might be smiling. I might not be smiling, but I just feel like I just I need to do better. I can do better. You know, that's just my mindset. How pleased were you when Lawrence Sicoli signed with Boxer, and obviously is on Sky as well? I think that was excellent. I think it's it's amazing what's going on right now because. There's a, a stable of fighters all in the same division on under the same broadcaster, which is perfect to make fights. We we both know how difficult this game is to, to create fights, especially when two fighters are, are, are representing two different broadcasters. It's nearly impossible. Mm -hmm. We never see them fights materialise and the fans don't have a clue what's going on. They just want to see a fight. It just puts them off. That's why they probably start to watch um, different sports like UFC and and other things because it's just the the political side and the business side it gets it gets annoying, but in this case, it's it's working out really well. There's great um, cruiserweights underneath one one banner, so the fights are going to be easy to make. It's just going to be a discussion of 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 uh, the monetary benefit and and that's it. 
are there plans in place for you and Lawrence to fight this year? Gareth, you know what? This this game is just it's crazy. Sometimes there's you know there's there's obstacles in front of us which you know just disappear after a while, and then we can make things happen and 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 vice versa. Sometimes there's no obstacles, and then next thing you know we come there now, where it's time to make the fight, and then there's some next issues that that arise. So. I just have a type of mindset that I want to be a world champion this year and I don't mind who, who's who got the, the titles because it's you just have to fight, isn't it? You just, if you get the opportunity, you just have to go for it. And I'm will, I want big fights this year, Gareth. Like, I want big fights in this year and um, I'm, I've got my mind focused on every single champion there is. And also, people in the rankings, I've, I've got my eyes on all of them. So... I'm more than willing to make that happen this year. I'm up for it. You know me, I don't shy away from, from battles. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I think if if things go well, you know, with a Coley side, with the business, and I don't know what issues going through now. It seems like it's, it's on track now. Yeah, we can definitely start mixing it. Well, from one cruiserweight to another, but Jack Massey stepping up to heavyweight very soon against none other than former world champion, WBO champion, Joseph Parker. But Jack the Smack Massey also doubles, of course, as a scaffolder. We had a bit of a joke about what I call poles, but he says are tubes. Talk to me about heavyweight. Was it a plan or is it because the opportunity to fight someone like the former champion in in Joseph Parker came along and you've just gone... Here we go, in for a penny, in for a pound, let's go, let's roll the dice and let's see what happens. Pretty much Bob on there, mate, yeah. <clears throat> so we got we got the call, the phone call, uh, about three weeks ago now, four weeks ago now. <clears throat> and um, yeah, I was, I was on the scaffolding side at the time, uh, working with my brother, freezing cold, minus six, got the phone call off, uh, off my manager, Kevin Marie, and uh, it was a pretty much yes, let's go straight away. So... Um, yeah, you know, it's. Um, I'd probably look to move up to heavyweight later on in my career, but, you know, I'm, st- I'm mm. still young. But, um, you know, you, you can't turn a big fight like this down. Massive opportunity. Jack, you just mentioned there about, obviously, what, what we would class as a normal job. And that kind of <clears throat> kind of surpasses a lot of boxing fans. They all think that boxers are rich. They're all earning a good crust. They're all, do- they're all doing the thing. And it's a, it's, a, it's a lucrative game. It's far from that. How difficult has maybe the last six to 12 months been uh, for you in this game before this opportunity came along? Yeah, do you know what? I've, I've, I've been a full-time <clears throat> boxer for quite a while now, quite a few years, but um, it was this year what sort of put me into work. Um, you know, it's, it's it's been, you know, probably the toughest year of my life this year, uh, inside and outside the ring. And, um, you know, we've had uh, sort of promotion issues and stuff like that, which is... Uh, mm. You know, all done and dusted now, but won't go into it too much because <clears throat> it's still getting sort of dealt with. But um, yeah, so I was just <laughs> I was just doing a few weeks, getting a bit of cash in hand just before Christmas, and we got this phone call. But yeah, boxing, um, you know, it's it's not all shiny all the time. It's uh, you know, it's this year I probably earned you know, probably less than 10% of what I'll be getting for this this fight. So, wow. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 as you was as you were saying that. I'm getting some building work done at the moment and um, talking to my scaffolders, Jack, about um, that cold snap on the other side of last year. I hope you weren't up on the roofs when it was minus six or minus ten. 
that yeah, that 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 Friday when it was about yeah, it was about minus six. That's when I got frostbite territory, wasn't it? It literally is, yeah. You know, um, yeah. it, 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 all, it always fascinates. I mean, I was just looking at picture of your button there for seven seconds, but um, you've got a fantastic physique. And how much of that is down to those hours with those steel poles? And, you know, every everyone I know does groundwork and scaffolding, has incredible physiques. And how much of that it, down to your physique is down to that? To be honest, I've, I've only I was only doing three weeks uh, scaffolding just before Christmas. Like I said, I've been a full time professional for probably five six years now. So it, it was just the three weeks. So, but do you know what? It's uh, it does it does get you strong. That job it gets you really strong. <laughs> Definitely you know, chucking them, chucking yeah. them tubes. Don't, you can't call them poles, by the way. Them scaffolders, not like. Oh, okay, okay. sorry, <laughs> sorry, the tubes. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sir. I'm sorry, I got my terminology wrong. Yeah. You're you're a big guy, anyway. Okay, you know you've only got one loss to um to Richard Riakpol. We we had Richard on just just before you on tonight, and he's looking at world cruiserweight. Uh, fights yeah. this way. Obviously, you're in the world rankings as well in top 15, and um, you can set a marker down against Joseph Parker, can't you? I mean, he's been in with some of the what people call the elite fighters. He's been with Anthony Joshua. He's been in uh, with Derek Chisora twice. He's been yeah. in with Dillian White. Massive fights. Um, it's it's a win-win for you, this surely. Yeah, absolutely. It's a win-win fight. <clears throat> you know, um, you, you you get through this, win this. The world's your oyster, you know. It's it's life changing stuff. Um, you know, stranger things happen. You know, it, it could be a well, it's got to be a you know another top ten, uh, ten ranked fighter. So in in the heavyweight division, so you know, there's, mm. there's another big guy there who wants to come back fight um, after a loss. So you you never know. Stranger things have happened, and you know if 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 it does, if we don't get the decision, but we could put on a good show. <clears throat> Drop back down to cruiserweight, campaign at cruiserweight, and um, there's, there's massive fights to be made there as well. I think stylistically, when you look at it, Joseph is not the biggest heavyweight. I mean, there's some big lads in that division, isn't there? So from a size point of view, he's not the biggest of heavyweights. He does have the speed. And as, as you looking at this, he's coming off the back of a defeat, a, a stoppage defeat to, to Joe Joyce. He... He's put, got be... miles on the clock, hasn't he? He's got miles well, on yeah, the clock. Well, yeah, I mean, he's still a he's young man. Don't get me wrong. He's still a young man. He has. He absolutely has. I think the so, so, on him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of where I was going with that. That's yeah, an yeah. opportunity for you to jump on him early in front of a Northwest crowd. I know that he's a popular character, yeah. but a Northwest crowd there, that's it's going to be absolutely jumping for you on that particular night to feed off the energy of that night. Like you say, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful opportunity. Definitely. The pressure's on him. Um like you say, he's not the biggest of heavyweights. He's the same height as me, six foot four. Um, so yeah, I've, I've, I've sparred with him in the past, and you know, held my own. And you know, we we wouldn't be going into this fight if we didn't think we could beat him. You're called One Smack for a reason, Jack One Smack Massey. <laughs> it's a great um, nickname. That, that, it's a great nickname. Yeah, it's I, 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 oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> Jack One Smack. I just love it. Um, look, and I'm, I'm not going into tubes again. I'm going to go in a different area now, right? Um, obviously, you were born in... Can you pronounce it for us in Derbyshire, the place yeah. you were born, please? And I want yeah. the French... If you can do the French-English yeah. pronunciation <laughs> of it. So it's called... It's Chapel Only for... It's... Um, okay. 
If yeah, you, if you've never been to Chapel on the Frith. Never been to Chapel on the Frith, no. Mate, it's beautiful. Beautiful area. You've heard of Buxton, probably. Um, It's about six miles away from Buxton. Um, So, yeah. Um, Chapel on the Frith, it's it's French for Chapel in the Forest. Lovely. You want a bit of history. Listen, Gareth, and if you thought thought it was cold in London on that Friday, mate, Chapel on the Frith would have been about minus 20, let alone minus minus 10. It gets a bit snowy up your neck of the woods, doesn't it, mate? Proper job. Yeah, I'll go back to what we we are talking about, which is your, your professional career. Talk to me. I'm not asking you to reveal the details on why you've been frozen um, out since November 2021. April um, it was this year, with, last one. Yeah, April. Yeah. yeah. Why? Um, why haven't you advanced more? Um, why aren't you um, putting yourself out there more? You know, you've got a lot about you. Um, you you're a great character. Um, you know, how about having your own podcast or starting your own, you know, <laughs> cooking show or, you know, I mean, you know, but, but come on, give give me a reason why you're not out there and as famous as Eddie Hearn. Do you know what? It's uh, it, it's one of them that, that winning the IBO, that should have skyrocketed. That, sh- that should have been my break. <clears throat> but unfortunately, it wasn't. Um, you know, obviously, I can't say too much, but it's a promoter's job to get you the fights and get you up there mm. and, and get you noticed and recognised. And unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Um, so we've lost those two titles through no fault of my own mm. uh, last year. So, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm just sort of one of them, to be honest, when it comes down to social media. I, I do bits and bobs, but you know, I like to I like to do the, uh, the talking with my hands. And, and I think the main thing with me is, is, is putting on good fights. I like, you know, I want to be known as someone who gets in there and puts on a good show. At the end of the day, it's 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 entertainment, isn't it? Boxing. You know, I, I want to entertain the people and uh, get the good fights. <clears throat> well, you, well, you you do that, mate. And if you think about the card as well that you're involved with on the twenty first, you've got Eubank and Smith. That won't yeah. be. Uh, they won't be shying yeah. coming forwards on that top table when it's press conference week. And obviously, Joe likes a little bit of a chat every now and again, and you do too. So it could be quite. Yeah. It could be quite an entertaining week for everybody. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's. Uh, you know, I, I like Joe as a guy. He's, he's, I've got the utmost respect for him. Um, you know, he's a nice guy. He hasn't he hasn't really had. Um, you know, sort of arguments with people in the past, has he? So, but he's yeah. We'll we'll have a bit of banter. Well, look, uh, look, no, that's fair enough. But I'm going to butt in here. <laughs> I'm not happy with that. I'm a laid back guy. I let my hands do the talking. I want some training videos with the tubes. With yeah. the tubes. Who's got Balboa? Up, 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 Balboa I, in the forest. Can, can I yes. say planks? Can I say up on the planks? That's it. <laughs> Up on, the, up on the board. Up on the board. All right, I'll use the right terminology. I want some ver- social media training videos yeah. with the tubes yes. being lobbed about, caught, twisted, thrown around like wushu sticks. In the snow. In, in the, the snow. snow. In yeah, the snow. And then yeah. we just want it because it will I go viral. You, you, you can come down and film that. Would love to. Like, I would love to, Jack. Like I'm going to talk to <laughs> Ed, our producer. I would love, genu- yeah. genuinely, I would I love to come and do, do it that. with you. I'm happy I to do it. Jack- yeah. I'm, I'm good for five minutes with the tube, and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. 
on heavyweights, Adam and I indulged in what we'd like to see, the pathways, the route maps for the top five in the heavyweight division this year. In fact, pretty much a top ten, but particularly for Tyson Fury, Alexander Usyk, Joe Joyce, Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua. Last year, disappointment. Not going to... Good, not going to lie about it, not going to sugarcoat it. There's no point in lying to uh, to you listening to the show. Uh, last year, the heavyweight division uh, was was disappointing on the, on the grand scheme of things because it promised so much. There was a lot of talk, not a lot of walk. Fingers crossed 2023 uh, does give us uh, those big, big moments that we can all get extremely excited about, of which then we'll filter off into other weight divisions. And not only that, we'll be the catalyst for this division to really catch fire. Because as we look at the talent, Gareth, there's a lot of talent there. There really is a lot of talent there. Uh, I'm a big fan of the American heavyweight, Jared Anderson. I think mm-hmm. he's going to come this year and do some good things. Um, I'm extremely excited to to see Deontay Wilder in this uh, in this conversation again. Anthony Joshua, of course, is always a person that will be part of this conversation. Joe Joyce has had a wonderful back end of 2022, and I hope that he gets to kick on in 2023. And, of course, there's Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk, who are the, the main guys at the top of the tree. Young bucks coming through, like Daniel Dubois. Moses Atuma is going to be making uh, his uh, heavyweight debut at some point this uh, this year. How do you look at this landscape this year? I mean, fingers crossed we get the undisputed fight, but where what are the runners and riders in and around the two top guys going to be doing? Well, I think you. I think you've got to name five guys at the top, and and I and I'm kind of putting these in order in a sense. Um, although a lot of people won't agree with the, the order. Tyson Fury, Alexander Usyk. Um, I'm going to go Deontay Wilder, Joe Joyce, and Anthony Joshua. Those are five huge names in the division still. Anthony Joshua, even though his star was on the wane a little bit because he only fought once last year, and we were there, of course, on the night when he lost in a really good fight with Alexander Usyk in the Middle East in Jeddah um, and, you know, had probably the weight off his shoulders that night as well in some ways. He expressed himself with with disdain for his own lack of abilities that night and wants to see him come back. Um, but I think... How? Let, let's let's concentrate well, on him for a second. Well, here's, here's what's how the I path? Right. Yeah, what's the path for Anthony right, Joshua right. for you? Here's what, he's, here's what I think uh, he's going to do. I think he'll fight Denzi, Dempsey McKean, the undefeated Australian who's ranked 10 with the WBO and I think 11 uh, with the IBF. Um, and that'll be a two or three round knockout for Anthony Joshua, probably at the O2 Arena, 20,000. won't be able to get a seat. Uh, and then I, th- I think early in the summer, he'll fight Dillian White uh, in, in Joshua White 2. There'll be a lot of interest. I think he'll knock out Dillian White, but I think there'll be drama in that fight. I think it'll be brilliant build-up, uh, a brilliant build-up. I think they could sell out Wembley for that or take them to a massive football stadium. Maybe it's about time Arsenal got to look in. Um, but um, I think he'll have uh, a, a big year this year. It'll be fascinating to see the numbers he does on zone, uh, by the way, which I think is is interesting. I think Dillian White's a free agent, um, so that wouldn't be a problem to make. Um there's a guy called Frank Sanchez who I'd like to see uh, in against uh, Joe Joyce. I think that's a just, fascinating just, just, matchup. Yeah, I agree. Well, just before you move on, on the Joshua thing, mm. are, are you saying two fights this year? Are you yeah. saying three fights? What, what are you saying? He won't fight three times in a year. He makes so much money. There's no need for him. Well, I know Eddie Hearn has put it out there, Ad, that... Um, um, we'll hear Frank Warren well, it, in a little bit as well. He's but not. I don't think he's done three fights since 2016. No, he in won't. A calendar he doesn't year, need it? to. He's he, he's he's going to make thirty. You million say that in a fight. though. You yeah. say that though. But we want to see. Activity. Oh no, I'd love him too. We want. 
Don't get me we wrong. We want to see these people out, don't we? Yeah. Absolutely. Look, if he could fight Fury at the end of the year, what an amazing year that will be. Um, or if he fought even Deontay Wilder at the end of the year, it would be amazing as well. I, well. Yeah, I think that's the one. I think for... I Listen, where Anthony Joshua's at, I feel for him a touch because he's spent such a long period of time in championship fights. He's been defending belts. He's been taking on all challenges, all right? And some fights have materialised. Some fights haven't materialised. I have absolutely no problem with him fighting a fighter in McKee, that a lot of people will absolutely have no idea who he is. I have no problem with Anthony Joshua going to go and do that for his first fight back, as long as it's in the first quarter of the year, because I want to see the old Anthony Joshua back. I want to see him be that wrecking machine that we all fell in love with. And once that happens, and I, I strongly believe that it will happen, then I agree, Dillian White is the perfect next fight. Nothing else. Let's No need to talk about championship fights. No need to talk about Fury or Usyk or anything like that. Do the Dillian White fight. And that's a test. So if you can come through a Dillian White fight, again, I would still, in, in my head, not have any connections towards championship fights. Set up, then, the eliminator that is Deontay Wilder. That is, for me, the path for uh, Anthony Joshua this year. I, I, I highly doubt that we will see him three times just because it's not been the norm for him since 2016. But I'd love it. I'd absolutely love him to have a blowout in two, three rounds, a Dillian White slobber knocker, which he comes through, and then into the uh, Deontay Wilder fight at the end of the year. What a wonderful, wonderful calendar year that would be for Anthony Joshua. If he could be successful in all three, and it, listen, they're all, some of them are tough, but if he can be successful in all three, then at the start of 2024, we're talking about world championships again. I think um, Deontay Wilder is a horrible style for, for most of the heavyweights out horrible. there. Um, he beats he beats a large percentage of those yeah, anyway. A no, large percentage of them. Yeah, he. I mean, I, I mean, I, I see Frank Sanchez might give him problems as well. Um, he's not that hittable, but I think Tyson Fury, Alexander Usyk, and, and Frank Sanchez are difficult opponents for Deontay Wilder. But the problem with him is, as we've seen in two of those fights with with Tyson Fury, if De, Deontay Wilder gets to you, he's still going to put you down. Um, but again, Anthony Joshua. You're about to talk about. Sorry, you were about to talk about George Joyce then. I snapped I snap you off because yeah. I think it's a big year for him, isn't it? Yeah. It's a big year this year for him. As, is, as it is for, you know, Fury, uh, Joe Joyce, Daniel Dubois, all in the Frank Warren Queensbury stable. Frank's got a job to do. As I say, we're going to hear from Frank in a little bit, aren't we? But he's got a job to do with all of those guys. He's very cagey about who he's going to put um, Joe Joyce in with. But I think Frank Sanchez is a brilliant fight for Joe Joyce. Keeps him relevant at the top of the division. He's flying high. I don't mind... Um, Joe fighting a Flip Hergovich or, or or an Anthony Joshua. I still think it's a brilliant fight, but I I, I think um, they're going to have to look for someone kind of to challenge Joe and to to advance him. I think he's he, he's he's brilliant. I mean, I'd love to see Joe Joyce and Deontay Wilder. Am I making you salivate right now? Because we normally do yes, when we mention you know, those two, don't we? You know, I love that fight. You know, I love that one. Is is there any is there any surprises that you see with championship belts this year? What do you what do you see? We might see Deontay Wilder against Alexander Usyk if Alexander Usyk beats some um, Tyson Fury. Um, we might see Alexander Usyk go to America to fight Deontay Wilder in Las Vegas. Oh, um, man, that'd be amazing. It would. would it amazing. would. I mean, we cannot rule out Alexander Usyk um, beating Tyson Fury, and um, we can't rule it out. I um, mean, so skilled. I agree. Um, I agree. We, you know, we we may end up with Joe Joyce against Alexander Usyk at Wembley Stadium. There's so many great fights at heavyweight. We just need to see them, Adam. <laughs> we do, mate. Well, we get a little bit self-indulgent here at times. And Boxing News this week put out a, a New Year's 
top 10 of requests that they'd like to see changes in boxing. It was so good, we needed to discuss it. Here we go. In the first edition this year of Boxing News, uh, a fantastic uh, publication. Uh, they have a feature in there, which Gareth has uh, highlighted as well, uh, called The Ten Count, and it's New Year's resolutions for boxing. And on there, there's 10 things that they would like to see uh, materialise. Uh, in the new year. And there's all sorts of different things in there from clarity regarding failed drug tests. That was on my list as well. Mm. Aftercare, which I think is a good one. Uh, quality control, uh, return to promoting. You've uh, also got scorecards, undercards, calm down with pay-per-view. Rivals must meet before it's too late. Heavyweight tune-up fights, get in the bin. Uh, and sharing is caring. It's actually a really good piece. It is. I think, it, I think there's a lot of boxing fans that will read those 10 points and it's only two or three lines to to highlight what the actual point is that boxing news are trying to make but i think every single fight fan will look at that and go yeah it's not it's not a major ask what they're asking for there is not a massive massive ask they're not like going they're not like talking a foreign language with it i think they're talking the perfect language i think everything on that list is doable mate yeah, absolutely. And well done to Matt Christie, the editor, and Elliot Worsell, the online editor, for putting that list together. And it's, you know, it's our trade magazine. It's something that we, the, the, the boxing industry reads and the fighters read. I think that clarity regarding failed drug test ad, you know, brought about largely by the Conor Ben Chris Eubank Jr. fight last year, still waiting, by the way, for transparency and then a resolution on that, which we need sooner rather than later. Um, I like this aftercare idea as well that, you know, yeah. so much money is made in the sport. We're, we're, we're talking about tens of millions, aren't we, in these big heavyweight fights? And the Ringside Charitable Trust are always, as they say, making strides in this department, but they there's a deathly silence from the sports power brokers. And, you know, we see it more and more, you know, when, when we meet the aged fighters who have delighted us in our youths and as we get older and we, as they get older, they need aftercare. They need help. Um, yeah. You need pensionable things for them. You need um, medical care. So that's really important. Um, and the third one's interesting. You and I have got good takes on this, that it's all all good and all well and good allowing YouTubers and influencers, they write, to have their fun. But the moment that starts to restrict the earning potential opportunities of proper boxers is the moment you know it's gone too far. Spoiler, that moment has arrived. Shall we discuss that? Yeah, of course, of course. Um, listen, I think at the back end of last year, we went along, didn't we? Because TalkSport covered uh, the... I can't remember who we actually fought now. He fought two guys in one night, if you can class it as a fight. What, KSI? KSI. He yes, fought Swarms he... and he fought... Oh, that guy that fell over all the time, exactly. with a, a Mexican, exactly. who, 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 who was... That's right. He was complaining when he was hit to the head he was complaining he'd been hit to the yes. knee or the groin yes. or the backside or whatever it was it was just weird now, now uh, listen i agree uh, with the essence of, uh, of of point number 3 there the quality control my my take on it was we went along on that night obviously for, in a working capacity and my curiosity uh, was quenched that evening because it's easy to sit on the outside and critique something but when you haven't experienced it, it's hard to give a proper critique. So mm. going there, experiencing it, being around it, seeing the demographic that turns up to these types of events uh, was a real eye-opener because there's a lot of young people, big groups, lads and girls going out on their nights out, turning up to see these celebrity celebrities. I won't call them celebrity fighters, the celebrities that are involved in, in the game of boxing, uh, using boxing as a vehicle to obviously propel themselves forward and the things that i found really fascinating were that 
these young kids, 16, 17, 18, I say young kids, that's be sounding patronising as old man, but 16, 17, 18 year old groups of people, um, they turned up for the first fight. They were in their seat, first fight, ready to go. Anybody that's been to a boxing event knows full well that people only really turn it up for the main event. Whereas in this instance, they were in from the first fight right to the end. Um, I, and that then kind of sends me the message that promoters, and I think it kind of is cemented a little bit further down in further li- uh, further points that they make in this list that we're, we're, we're talking about, that social media social media presence, social media profiles are incredibly important for the modern way of connecting with fan bases, especially young demographic fan bases, of which I don't think fighters are utilising enough, whether it be from an educational point of view or whether it just be from lack of interest. It is a key tool to to interact, to, to connect with the next generation of fan, first and foremost. Um, and I think... That was the positive that I took away from it. I agree, in essence, quality control. It's not boxing. It's not the best boxing in the world. It isn't even boxing for me. It's a, it's celebrity white collar. Um, so I, I can understand why people might frown upon it because it's not real boxing. But from an event point of view, brilliant production. Yeah. Brilliant the way that it's all put together. And also th- this young demographic of fans, that's where we need to be tapping into. We need to be getting those into the game of boxing they're obviously in on this celebrity YouTuber thing that is that is currently going on. How do we get them over to the world of boxing? And that's the conversation that I think should be be, be more proactive for for fight sports promoters. Well, well, there's there's two things for me. There's one, um, you know, if they they've got influence over you know millions and millions of young people, and if they are espousing a healthier lifestyle, which KSI is doing, and being fit and being gym fit. And, you know, um, like you said, I I bounce up to the remote now. I used to kind of, like, roll over to it. In fact, I couldn't move from my chair to get to the remote control to play my games, all those things. But um, I was very impressed by them on the night. I mean, I've been to a few of those events now, actually working in a working capacity. And I'm happy to say I'm the KSI correspondent uh, next Saturday night when we do the Misfits event again um, next week. And, uh, you know, it's... Well, the important thing, from my point of view, the important thing is, you know what it is, right? So yeah. therefore, you you are careful with your cho- choice of language when you are talking about the event, what it is, in comparison to, for example, in two weeks' time after that, yeah. Baturbiev and Yard. Completely different. It's completely different. There's a lot of people, though, mate, that are that are in this game that blur that line. And I and I think that is a danger, blurring those lines and trying to pr- pr- portray that KSI against whoever is championship boxing it's not at all it's celebrity white collar fun that's all it is yeah it's not yeah none of these guys are ever going to be a british champion it's just celebrity white collar fun in my opinion you, you you made a big you made a big point adam just now about the fact that um that the boxing world as as the mma world does um is now social media for those sports is enormous and yeah. not everyone's comfortable doing it Personally, I'm not comfortable sometimes. You know, we're discussing things later on the show which we haven't commented on this week, like what happened with Dana White and the incident with his wife on New Year's Eve. We're we're going to talk about that in the very last bit of the show. Stay tuned. We go into that in real depth. But, you know, sometimes 
Um, we have to realise that, that that linear is one thing, like mainstream television and mainstream news channels, and um, it's all changing. And, and these, we do need to keep up with the times, and, and, and these are the times. And social media, as you know, you're very active on it. It's, it's part of, and I am, it's very part of our lifeblood. You put your work up there now because it's there to see. And if yeah. you don't present it, people don't see it because everyone's in their lane. Everyone's following the things. And... As, as the algorithms of the, of the AI world continue, the things you look at attract with the robot, you know, with the, with the bots, it, it brings the things to you that you look at on Google or whatever. So it, it, to, to not do that, we need to... That's what I found. That's what I'll put my finger on it. Going to this event with these guys, going to the Last Misfits event, you just learn about a new culture that you actually need to be aware of for your children, your grandchildren, and actually for yourself. Mm. I, just quickly, I know that our producer is telling us to break because I think there's further great points on this list. Um, the, the These kind of merge together for me where we're talking about undercards, we're talking about uh, rivals must meet each other before it's too late yep. and the calm down with pay-per-view. Yep. This all merges together because I think for, from my point of view, there's a lot of fighters at the top end of this game that have an over overvaluation of the monetary worth. Mm. And what they do is, for example, we saw just at the end of last year, we saw Terence Crawford, who's one of the best fighters on the planet. He fought David Avanesian on a platform that, geez, man, that mm. could, couldn't, I don't know, couldn't scrape 5,000 viewers together, but they paid him $10 million. Mm-hmm. $10 million claimed, for yeah. fight. Yeah. yeah, as he claimed that nobody was watching. Mm. So when he comes to a conversation about fighting Errol Spence, in his head, he's thinking, well, there's more people going to be watching this. It's a bigger fight. It's a monster fight. I'm obviously going to want more than $10 million. So his starting point is over is over, overinflated. And that's the problem that we find ourselves in right now, because then the model has to be pay-per-view. You have to create a pay-per-view model in order to try and subsidize these ridiculous amounts of money that people are demanding for the fights that we want to see. There's got there's got to be a real conversation about how fighters getting paid ridiculous amounts of cash for rubbish fights. It's been happening for far too many, far too long, and that's why we find ourselves in the situation we find ourselves in right now. Absolutely. I mean, lots of the fights that should have been made last year weren't made. Um, that list is is like you say is is very accurate. You can't see things outside it. Um, but they're there. Rivals mustn't meet. <clears throat> excuse me before it's too late. And, and Terence Crawford and Errol Spence, how many times have we mentioned that fight? If it doesn't happen this year, I'm not interested in seeing it. I don't want to Khan Brook five years after the date. Because um, they won't even fill... A, I don't think... Oh, they will. They'll fill a stadium like Manchester Arena. That should be sold to the world. Do you know what? If they brought that well, that's fight the thing. here, that's it would be thing. big. That, that's, that's the thing, what you've just <clears> said there, right? Outside of our little bubble, you've just been talking about... Um, social media. Social media is an echo chamber. If you're following loads of boxing accounts, you're going to get loads of boxing information. That's what you're going to get. And outside of our world, if we went down the street and we started to speak to sports fans or just general people on the street, do you know who Terence Crawford is? They do won't. You know who Spence is? They won't. They do not know no. who those people no. are. No. We know them as the best welterweights on the planet. They do not know mm. who those people are. Terence Crawford and Errol Spence will make the money that they want to make in the second fight. That is what will happen. They have to do the first fight, put on a great show, give us an absolute barnstormer, and then the thirst 
from the mainstream will come in and go, bloomin' heck, that were an absolute crackerjack. Let's go again. And that is what will make the money. Very similar yeah. to Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. First fight, Tyson Fury didn't make a ton of cash. Second time around, after he goes on his little American tour with Bob Arum, all of a sudden, and obviously the rising from the dead in the 12th round, we then get the proper money for the second fight. And of course, they go on to a third. That's yeah. how you make the dough. But you've got to do the first fight first. Yeah. I completely agree, and and just just to finish off on this because we it's, it's actually a fascinating subject. This um, yeah. undercards ad you said it just now. What happens in boxing? You mentioned it with KSI and Swarms that um, there were or Deji and Swarms, whoever it was. It doesn't matter what their names are. They're just people <laughs> in a ring with loads of followers. They were all in there. And it was full, rather like a UFC card yes. or an MMA card, uh, where yes. they come to see all the fights and. We need matchmaking to be better, and we, we'd like to see heavy numbers of fans in the ring early on and not just coming in at, at half an hour before the main event, you know, because it does make a big difference to the atmosphere. And, and what it comes down to is, is having really strong fights on the card. And I've spoken to Frank Warren about this, and he's insistent that he's going to do that this year. Yeah, and listen, before we move on to the next piece, just a quick one on that. The the card on January the 21st by Boxer, yeah. which is a Sky event, of course, in Manchester. You've got the main event of Chris Eubank Jr. and Liam Smith. Great main event. You have to back that main event up with good fights on the on the undercard, and they have. Mm. They've got a fantastic co-main event. They've got Richard Riakpour, who we've just been speaking uh, to, taking on Christoph Glowacki. You've got at least three really, really good fights there. I'd like four or five. But listen, that's a start. I've been to events this year where the undercard's been absolutely terrible. That is a good start. That's the standard. If we can get at least three real captivating fights for fight fans on every single card, we're going in the right direction. Absolutely. Fingers crossed that does happen. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards... Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Well, from changes to one of the great legends of British boxing, friend of the show, Frank Warren, I caught up with him to try and put a little bit of pressure on to see how near, if it's going to be announced, that Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk are going to fight soon. And is it going to be in the UK or is it going to be in the Middle East? And what does Frank Warren think about Anthony Joshua's year? You've got this heavyweight stable as well, which is growing and growing. David Adelaide, um, you're yep. signing, and we've got a big press conference this week for Moses Itoma, who you're very excited about. What, can I just ask you, first of all, what do you do with Daniel Dubois at the moment? Um, it's, with both him and Joe, they've got to just they've got to tread water with them. Because Tyson fights Usyk. I hope we get it over the line. He fights Usyk, then there'll be mandatory defences coming up. And the first one's the WBA according to the rotation system. And then Tyson's going to make a decision whether he wants to fight him or vacate the title if Tyson beats Usyk and vice versa with Usyk. So they're in really good positions. And Tyson's already said that he does want to fight Joe Joyce. So there's two great fights there with Tyson this year before we even start. And what's where, where are you with... Um... Fury and Usyk. I mean, there have been soundings the last week. You've given a couple we of... Sent, we, we sent, we, we've sent them a, a draft contract. That's where we're at. And listen, it's got to be... Everything's got to be sorted out very, very quickly now because the time is against us. And, and is it looking like the UK or the Middle East? Do we know yet? Is there a... Wherever the, wherever, wherever the most money comes from. Right. And that offers in place from the Middle East at the moment, is it? No, nothing's in place from uh, anywhere outside the UK. We know what it can generate in the UK. Um, but if it goes elsewhere, that depends, again, whether what the uh, the numbers are. And, you know, we thought, I know a lot of people complain about it. And I agree it should be at Wembley. I'd love to see it there. But, you know, Muhammad Ali and uh, George Foreman went and fought in Zaire. Then you had, the fr- you had the thriller in Manila. They had the big fights in Jamaica. They went where the money was, and these guys are doing the same thing. So what's your instinct on that, though, in terms of having to get it done? Do you want to get it done in the next, kind of the end of I next? want to get it out of the way. I want to, I'd want. i like yeah. to get the fight on in March. Right. And so would Tyson. We just want to get it on in March, and then that set him up for a, another big fight in the autumn. And if it is in March, could could that still be done in the UK? Or if it was in the UK, would it have to be a little yeah. later? Yeah. No, well, well listen, we, we did a show on the 6th of December and at yeah. Tottenham. Yeah, that's true. 3rd of December. Yeah, that's true. Um, in regards to Eddie Hearn's comments uh, in a recent interview, can you see Tyson and Anthony Joshua fighting in 2023 as well? No. And I'll tell you why I can't see it. One, you know, we've got Tyson's got his, you know, Tyson's told me what fights he wants. That's number one. And number two is they don't want the fight. They had a chance to make it for the title. And we went through all that palaver and Frank Smith, who works with Hearn, came out afterwards and said there weren't enough time, which there was. And we moved the date to December to accommodate them. But more importantly, he hasn't even got a trainer. He never had a trainer then. So why do we all waste our time? He has no trainer. And then I'm hearing that he wants three fights before he even decides to fight Dillian White. I mean, what is that all about? He's the former world champion. He's not some young kid coming back. You know, he should be out, get out, get get my new train, have a quick fight, and then fight somebody. I was looking at stars on the wane, and Anthony Joshua's fought twice in the last two years. I'm not trying to knock him here, but he's had two losses. The second fight with Usyk was a much better performance. But 
in terms of Anthony Joshua, I know he's not your fighter, but he really does need a, a, a very good 2023 to get back on track. Well, he does, but you, you look, he's lost three of his last four. That's what he's done. So that's not exactly showing you that he's in a good place. And uh, he's been there. He's, 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 had a, he's had a good run. He's made a lot of money. He was in the right place at the right time for a couple of fights. But the truth of the matter is he's not going to beat these guys. You know, they're talking about fighting Dillian White and this, you know, and all the other ones. There's two good fights there that he could have immediately and pick the opponent, either fight Joe Joyce or fight Daniel Dubois. And he won't fight either of them. You'd put either of those guys straight in with Anthony Joshua, yeah? It, it, not even an issue for me. <clears throat> On jo Joe Joyce, then, um, when do you expect him to be out next? And March. Yeah, in March as well. On the same yeah. card as um They're all bit yeah, they'll be out roughly March and April between all of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and who you know, you look down the list there, it's a difficult pick at the moment for him. I know he could fight anyone. I mean him against Wilder's a massive fight, isn't it? Joyce and Wilder. Well, it, it is, but he's, he wants to fight he's the champion now. He's the, he, sorry, the interim champion. Interim, yeah. He's gotta fight somebody who's in the top ten. So that's what he'd do. And he's obviously look, got, got an eye on fighting for the full title. So what he wants is the direction we're going. But is there, is there someone you have in mind? I'm looking down the division there. Uh, I'm, I'm not even going there yet with that, uh, Gareth. No. We, you know, we know where we are. We've got, we got, we got in our mind who we, what the fights that we want to make, but I've not made them yet. So I don't want to talk about them and then they don't happen. Moving on to... Um, the, the young heavyweight who we're all meeting this week, Moses Atoma. You're very, very optimistic that this guy could be the next great thing. Yeah, he's only 18, isn't he? Well, he's 18 uh, a week ago. Yeah. And he sparred with everybody. And the reports that have come back have been unbelievable. And I've seen some of the footage. And also, you can go online and you can see the footage of him in the European championships where he won the gold medal he knocked out everybody in the first round for four knockouts in the first round and he won the world championships in november end of november when uh he knocked out two and uh and um won the other two on points but had them all over the place i mean he is something special he's only a young man he's you know say he's just turned 18 but he looks something special to me well, one of Frank Warren's fighters, Anthony Yard, of course, takes on Arta Baturbiev for three of the four light heavyweight belts in London late in the month. We are there, of course, live and exclusive. We spoke to Anthony Yard about his second tilt at a world title and why it's different this time around against a different Russian. He lost to Sergei Kovalev, but this time he feels full maturity and he's taking it with both hands. Very different Christmas, I, I imagine, this time around for you, mate. Obviously, with the, with the lure of a, of a big world title fight, a different Christmas. You had to stay off the pigs in blankets, lesson on the on, on the potatoes on Christmas Day, mate. Stay away from the tiramisu and the trifles. You've got to get keep yourself in top shape for the big fight, my man. Yeah, no, it wasn't really much different for me, to be honest. Um, I'm not really... Uh, I haven't really celebrated Christmas that much since I've been like an adult. It was more for the when I was a child and then now it's more like this for the kids but um, when if I do eat it just wouldn't be as often as I usually would eat you know with Christmas you've always got leftovers and things like that so I had my meal <laughs> kept the discipline <laughs> and then yeah I went, to, I went to the gym the next day Mate, as well as that, your football team are flying as well pal you know what I mean the heart rate you've got to keep that down because the Arsenal are doing the bits as well 
top of the league. It's fantastic. <laughs> Um, well, hopefully you'll be top of the league on the on 28th of January. When I saw you and Arta come together uh, in the press conference uh, just before Christmas, you're always cool and you're always calm, and there's a, there is an ice about you, and, and we saw it even when you when you took on Kovalev, but even more so this time. Do you think that comes from that experience with Kovalev? You now know exactly who you are as a fighter and what you've got to do on January 28th. I think it's just it's just me as a person. Um, I just feel like I've I haven't really I haven't changed. I haven't been phased by anything. Um, I can't really say why that is. Um, if I think about it, it's probably just things I've been through in my life, um, how I grew up, and um, I just see it as like it's opportunity. So when you got opportunity, I just can't understand the concept of um, being upset <laughs> at opportunity. So I'm I'm excited. That's that's more for the last time when I fought Kovalev. It was more like M's and R's, like, should I be doing this now? Is it too early? But now yeah. I'm at that stage in my career where I'm just like, I'm, I feel like I'm definitely ready. Anthony, um, you should have won that night. You know that. We know that. You yeah. you know you should have won that night. We discussed it. Do you remember? You, you, you came away thinking, damn, damn, I could have got started on this guy earlier and I could have finished him. Do you remember? Do you remember the discussion? Yeah, I do. But I don't feel like I... I um, I should have won it, to be honest. Um, I feel like things planned out how they were meant to plan out. You mm. know, they say that um, you know, you could, you could, I could, I could have won that day and won that fight, mm. and I probably, I probably, probably wouldn't be the person I am today. Correct. You know, yeah, but, um, I had a, I had a stressful two thousand and twenty-two. So it, things that happen in your life at the time they do, sometimes for a better plan. This is my belief anyway. So um, I don't cry and complain about spilt milk or the past or how it could have been or should have been. Um, I'm thankful enough that I've got the second opportunity. And um, just like last time, I'm going to just do my best. But this time, I feel like it feels right. And I'm going to go out and then get the win. I've got to say, um, and Adam's the same, we've talked about this before you came on air, we are very excited about the contest. Mm. Um, you know, I think you are in your prime now, just entering your prime. And as you've said, my best performances have always been when I've been the underdog. You feel that a little bit going into this and it'll bring out the best in you? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. This this fight is, um, you know, there's some people that have um, completely written me off, which is bizarre. Some people that are, um, there's a very small amount of people that are confident in me that I can get it done stylistically, and there's some people saying that it's a massive task, and it is a massive task. It's just it's just boxing, you know. When I got into boxing, I dreamed of being at these this kind of stage, fighting for these unified um, titles, fighting the best people out there, and then putting my name on the main stage and potentially in history books. The thing, the thing is, Anthony, he's, he's, a, he's a man at the end of the day. Two arms, two legs. Starting to sound like Tyson good. Fury. Yeah, but he's, <laughs> he's, he's, it's true. And it, he, it he is, is good. It but is we good. have seen in previous fights that he is hittable and he has been hurt. I refer back to the Callum Johnson fight, for example. Mm, mm. What, have you, what, have, what have you seen in his armory that you, you believe that you could take full advantage of at the end of January? Um, I think you said it in the first, the first um, sentence. He's a human being, and um, stylistically, when you watch boxing, um, every style is different in boxing. You know, um, I've, I don't feel like he's fought anyone with my speed um, and power, and that's I feel like that's the for me that's the key. All he's got on me, in my opinion, is experience. He hits hard, I hit hard. Um, you know, he's got good movement. I've got good movement. 
only thing I feel like he's got on me is experience. But um, what would you have to say on the night? I think for me, it's mentality. I feel like when I land on when I land on any light heavy, I said this. I said this years ago. <laughs> any light heavyweight I land on, I'm gonna hurt them. And when I do hurt them, um, just like with the couple of fight, I knew I would hurt him at some point. My let my, what let me down on that night was my composure. Mm. I'd never been at that stage mm. before, etc. But this time, I feel like I've learned my lesson. But Anthony, you were also in Russia. You've got home advantage. It's a place you're familiar with. You've spoken about how great it. I think you started your career there for some reason. Yeah, it's my full head. circle, isn't so, it? So yeah. All, all, all those things, and I completely agree. There's another thing that he's got on you. Seven years older as well. And yeah. some of these guys do have very, very long, decorated amateur careers. And he has had a long amateur career. He's 39 this year. And I agree with you. I think you do have speed over him. And I'm I'm just wondering whether you and Tunde, your, your trainer, have worked on um, maybe some agility and, and a little bit more movement in this fight, maybe. Because he's quite static at times as well. I mean, I'd love you guys to go toe-to-toe because it's going to be unbelievable when and if you do during the fight. But is a bit of versatility and movement key here as well? I feel like everything around the board. Um, I don't feel like he's static at all. I think he his stance might be a bit static, but I feel like he's got very, very good movement. Um, I feel like that's something that... Um, or it's simple, his movement, isn't it? It's simple, as I, as I, I see so. him. I think it's, I, I think it's a very I, simple yeah. style. I think it's not very flamboyant, but it's effective. You know, they yes. say um, there's some people that who are, you know, they're very flashy. They they do unnecessary movements, etc. But he's very he's got this that, that school of boxing. You know, the Russian school of boxing, the Ukrainians. They got the same school of boxing, and um, he switch hits. You know, there's little little things that I've seen that it's like you need to pay attention to. He's not just a a power puncher. So and that's what, I feel like that's the mistake a lot of people have made going in with him. They just feel like he's a hard hitter, you know, just stay away from him or whatever. I feel like this is it's not gonna be just a, a head on head collision. It's gonna be very, very tactical as well. But that's how I fight. I love to fight tactically and land my shot. And I feel like when I do land my shot, I'm gonna close the show. You're both two. You're both two fighters who have very great, you know, fantastic physiques, and, and both have chins you can rely on as well. And I think very fan friendly. You know, it's, it's a so fan friendly fight. I mean, I'm Fans so are excited. For I am salivating right now at the thought. <laughs> Obviously, I want you to win. I want you to be the three uh, belt champion. You've worked so hard. We would love to have you as our champion in this country. Um, and for all you know, all your journey, the journey you've been on, it's so amazing. You know, I mean, we'll talk about it more. I mean, we're, we're there on the night I believe uh, outside broadcast uh, for your fight and, and it's going to be extraordinary that the hairs on our our whole bodies are going to be standing up it's just one of those nights and and I have a special feeling about this I, th- I think you get the stoppage I do I think yeah. you get the stoppage in the middle rounds me too how how uh, how lit up has your phone been over Christmas, mate? People are obviously asking for the Anthony R tickets for Christmas, no doubt, and maybe coming straight to the source. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's for me. I just said everybody. Usually, I've got tickets on my own website, AnthonyR.com, etc. But this fight, you know, it's the biggest fight. I said I didn't want no distractions. I don't want no selling tickets. That's fair. Go online, get the tickets like everybody else, and anyone that I've got tickets for personally, I've gone online myself. I bought them giving them out to my family members, etc. Yes, I get a couple, a few complimentary tickets, but 
um, majority of the tickets that I've got from family and friends, whatever, I went and bought them myself. And then that was weeks ago, but now it's just focus mode. Anyone that calls me about tickets now, I just laugh my head off the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're listening tonight... I don't blame you, mate. I don't blame you. Yeah. And Leave him alone. He's in camp. Leave him alone, yeah, yeah, mate. Exactly. But if, he, if you're listening tonight, go and get a ticket for this. It's going to be an extraordinary night. I don't think you can. I think it's sold oh, it's out. Sold, it's sold, is it already? I think yeah, it has. It's gonna, yeah, yeah. Well, go out and... Go out and be outside anyway and find a ticket and get in. Ca- cause it. noise outside. Join <laughs> us afterwards well, as we carry the man through the streets. Exactly. Yeah, for me, it's, um, it. it's, as you said, full circle. I started my career there in yeah. um, 2015, and I thought that this is going to be a net that I'm never going to forget. Anthony, we wish you well, man. Listen, like you said, we've Thank been you. on a, a mad journey with you, and... Uh, and this, like I said two minutes ago, it's such a fan-friendly fight. There's not a boxing fan that I speak to that doesn't immediately talk to me about this fight. You against him for the light heavyweight championship of the world. It doesn't get better than that for us anyway to be able to kick off the year in, in that style. And we hope that it goes your way, my man. Enjoy yeah. the rest of camp. I know I know it's a difficult time now with all the discipline and what have you. But enjoy it. Enjoy the fight week. And we'll see you on fight night, buddy. Take care. Yes, yeah, I'll see you soon. Cheers. Stop, man. There you go. Uh, Anthony Yard there joining us ahead of his fight with uh, Artur Baturbiev. January 28th, light heavyweight championship of the world. And as I said a moment or two ago, Gareth, and he, there's, uh, he's always been mature as Anthony, but there's a there's an added maturity with that experience of the Kovalev fight, the 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 fight that he went through, the two fights that he went through with Linda Arthur. There's an added maturity now. He knows exactly who he is. And I'm looking forward to him hopefully putting it all together on, on the night in front of his home fans. It's 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 a massive fight. It's a massive fight to have. I think Arta Baturbiev is is the only world champion right now to have 18 wins, 100%. 18 100 yeah. percent knockout ratio. Um, but Anthony's got 85 percent. I think. I think, yeah, I think his a, knockout ratio is 85 percent, so he can do it. It's the ultimate test for him. He's not in against Dmitry Bivol, who's the other light heavyweight in the world, 175 pound fighter. That's 12 stone seven, who is out there. Um, and is is a trickier opponent for an Anthony Yard. This is a guy, I, th- I think Anthony talked him up there, and the reason he talked him up, he's really studied him well. Um, yeah, but he's got all the skills yeah. and all the abilities and all the power and all the experience now to make it a phenomenal night. And if he really does, it, it, he's up against it. I'd still make him the marginal underdog, but I think he can do it. One fight we hope will be on TalkSport. We believe it'll be in early March. It's probably going to be in Scotland because it's Josh Taylor against Jack Catterall. Yes, the grudge sequel. No one really agreed with the scoring last year. This time, it's only the WBO title on the line when those two guys meet. I picked the bones out of the last year with Josh Taylor, and this is what he had to say. I was riding on a huge wave, crest of a wave, Gareth, you know, um... I've had an unbelievable career in the space of like three, four years, you know, just shot up from, you know, fighting for a Commonwealth title in like my next seventh fight and then right up to WBC and then straight into world level uh, against Victor Postel in my 13th fight and then and straight into world titles in my 15th fight, becoming world champion and then unifying division, 16 fights and then on to become an undisputed world champion. You know, I was heading a... I was hitting a real high, you know, and I was on a great roll. And, um, you know, then COVID hit and then, you know, obviously haven't boxed properly for a, well, boxed three times in three years, which is a real mm. shame and really frustration uh, has been kicking in. But, you know, after I'd been to Vegas and, you know, I was I had my sights set on, because I'm, I'm an ambition guy, I'm an ambitious athlete, you know, so I want to keep climbing in the sport to keep the hunger, to keep the determination. I want to keep achieving more. 
So I set my sights and set the goals on becoming a two-weight world champion, you know, moving up to welterweight and trying to challenge for a world title up there against some of the biggest names in the sport. There was huge fallout from it, of course. You know, it, it divided the boxing world and there were accusations that, was it fixed, this, that and the other. Um, the fallout for you, there was a lot of hatred on you. It affected you very strongly. You and I have spoken about this because it didn't just reach you as a sportsman there were the, the, it, it reached you and your your partner it, it, yeah. there was just the the, the the kind of evil the dark side of social media isn't it yeah. you know that that impinges on people's lives way beyond what is a sporting event at the end of the day it's it's, it's a sport at the end of the day and it was kind of like uh, uh, it was mad you know like it doesn't really affect me what people say or, about the fight you know people's opinions of the fight is people's opinions of the fight it is what it is I don't really care yeah um, I won the fight okay great you think I won the fight okay great you think it could have any other way to care that, that, that's, that is your uh, opinion of the fight so and you're entitled to it but when people start barraging my family like we're just bombarding my wife especially and my little sister even my mother at times was getting it, but it was mostly my wife and my little sister getting barrages and messages and threats of violence at the places of work. People were showing up at the places of work. You and he have been face to face this week, you and Jack Catchell. I understand there's no love lost. In fact, it's it's kind of daggers at dawn, if I can put it that way, not genuinely daggers at dawn, but this is going to be one of the big, vicious... Um, grudge fights when you two step in the ring together. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's it's business. It's mostly business for me, but it's it's a little bit personal too, just with all the stuff that's been happening to my family and, and things like that. You know, that's given me motivation and drive to to really really put on a dominant performance. The things that I think people have said to me and family and stuff that's just given me. It's just uh, gearing towards him, and I'm and I'm pointing it towards Jack's direction, and he's going to get to be on the receiving end of a sore beating, and I can't wait to get in there and really punish him this time. I'm hearing that there was a little bit of hatred behind the scenes. No, I don't want to say hatred. I'm just no, say, it's not hatred. Okay, hatred. I don't. I don't hate anyone. Yeah, yeah. But but there's you've got the bit between your teeth for this for this one though that there's. That that idea of complacency is now ridiculous for you, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I learned I learned my lesson that last time around, you know, and I won't be making the same mistake twice. But I, I'm certainly focused for this one and uh, razor focused in on the, on this event. I can't wait to get in there and and really do a real good performance this time. Will you box differently? Well, I mean, technically, so. I'll, I'll do. I'll definitely be doing things differently. I definitely do things a hell of a lot better, you know, because I was really poor that fight. Um, and it's clear for everyone to see, you know, how poor I was. Um, Jack seems to think that it was just him that made me crap, but there was a lot of other factors in that fight as to why the, the performance was crap. So this time around, I'm focused on my weight's good, I'm nice and trim and in shape this time, plenty of time out. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I have got no... No reason as to why I can't perform at the best of my ability this time. And if he wins, I'll be the first man to shake his hand. Do you feel like you've sacrificed by letting some of the belts go as well? Well, yeah, a little bit. But at the same time, um, 
yeah, kind of. It's, it is a little bit of a pain in the backside, but I could have had a big fight with, um, but, uh, what's his name? Zepeda. Yeah. I could have went Teofimo Lopez route. I could have been in some big other fights. I didn't have to do this fight, uh, Gregara. If I could have went on and moved on with my career, although I've been a very bad and poor decision, I still got the result. I could have moved on and said, see you later, I'm on to the next one. But no, I'm going to put this little cloud that's over that last fight to doubt. I'm going to clear the sky. Will you stay at 140 after this? I'm not sure, you know, it remains to be seen. You know, um, we'll see how it goes. Um, I'm not thinking of anything else other than this fight. You know, and um, I know I'm confident I can make the weight properly and well this time. Are there fights you'd like to see? Uh, I'd like to see, I'd like to see the Spence Crawford fight, you know, yeah. obviously talked about for a long time so yeah we'd like to see that one that would be that would be a good fight and the undisputed heavyweight fight given that you've uh, done a bit of body sparring with the big gypsy king <laughs> yeah that would be a good one to to go on as well that would be that would be quite a big fight that would be an interesting fight as well but i think um i think the big man fury is just a little bit too big for him um but you know i think usek has the style and the the boxing brain and the movement and agility to give tyson huge problems as well but I just think uh, it's that will say, any, as Tyson says as well, a, a good big one always beats a good little one. But uh, that's what makes it interesting because the two of them are so good. But me personally, I just think that Tyson's maybe just a little bit too big for him. And finally this week, we discuss a massive moment in the world of UFC, the altercation between Dana White and his wife that went public. Many, many views and points of view about this Adam and I take an adult look about a very serious situation for Dana White and the UFC. Now, first and foremost, what I want to say, online, it's been a real disheartening place to be this week, reading mm. people's views on this particular subject. In the immediate aftermath, we saw Dana White himself. He came out. He offered no excuses whatsoever. And he, he, he took full accountability of the situation. There are people that have been online, fighters, that have been pundits, that have been people from the from the MMA fan world that have been offering excuses for the actions of Dana White on that particular night. And I, f I find that disgusting. I really do. And I think that anybody that has offered excuses for that behaviour, when the man himself is not off offering excuses for that behaviour, needs to give their head a real check uh, and, and maybe have a little bit of a word with themselves as to what they actually stand for in this world. I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit more later on. But secondly, the thing that I find most concerning, Gareth, is the silence. Mm. The silence from Endeavour, the people that own the UFC, the silence from the UFC, the silence from ESPN. The fact that, obviously, they got ahead of this. They were obviously tipped off that TMZ, the American broadcaster, had a copy of this video. They've gone to Dana White. Dana White's offered up a, a statement straight away, as has his wife. So it all came out at the same time. So it kind of softened the situation, which I thought, you know, Nobody else would have really been offered that situation, but Dana White was offered that situation. Um, and that has come out, and now people have got their op opinion on the situation. The way that they have handled this over the last four to five days, and I hope that it, this changes over the next two to three, just goes to prove to me that the attitudes towards the UFC, first and foremost, are not uh, that it's not a premier sports franchise. The reason why I say this is because if the president of the NFL, for example, or the president of the NBA, or the person that runs football here in the UK would have been caught doing the exact same thing that Dana White has been caught doing, 
they would not be in their position now. They would have been they would have been removed from their position, and the sport would have taken uh, action on the on the moment, and uh, the, the the situation would have de- been dealt with in what I would class as a professional manner. This has not been the case here, which is incredibly concerning. MMA gets a bad rap on in the mainstream in general, with people thinking it's thuggery and barbaric and all this type of thing. The optics of the president doing what he's done in this situation does not look good for this sport uh, going forward. This is a big, big moment, and I think that they've handled it incredibly poorly. Yeah, I agree with all the things you've said, Adam, and, and you know, let's not um, make bones about this. Dana, you know, I've known him probably nearly 20 years now. Um, Dana is the biggest name in mixed martial arts. There's no question about yeah, it. Um, absolutely. As big as any fighter. Um, he is the leader in many ways, of the sport he's the changeling he's the pioneer he's all those things with with Lorenzo and Frank Fatita all those years ago obviously they've sold a company since and and as you say Dana went with with Endeavour as well I completely and wholeheartedly agree with all your points there what I would add to that obviously um anyone uh, online, like I said, I've read a lot online as well, and I haven't put views out either because I don't want to do it in 140 characters in yeah. a tweet. That's not where to do it. We, we, we're talking about it but, humanely exactly. and honestly and maturely now when we've got time to do it in our, on our own show. Um, it, it, it's it's an unforgivable, unforgivable act. Um, penance must be paid. Um, like you said, the, there was a very soft uh, approach to it um, with uh, I think the head of TMZ doing an interview mm. with Dana White, um, he you know you don't you do not slap a woman back. It was two slaps. It was on the video. You don't do that back. You can't condone that. Um, and like you say, there's been a lot of media silence. There's also been a lot of softness from some very yeah. senior. Um, I'm not going to mention anyone, but from, from very, very senior journalists, um, kind of not, not not excusing it. Obviously, they're not excused. No, no one's excusing it completely. But, but silence just, is deafening, isn't it? It is. So silence and, is deafening. And, and and like you say, it was on. You know, it was on first take in America, and you have prominent people on there, very prominent people in America, kind of saying, "Look, I'm friends with." Well, so exonerate yourself from the situation. Don't comment on it. Get someone in there who's going to say what really ought to be said. Can't condone what happened he will have huge regret over it Dana White as will probably Anne his wife um, I had the pleasure of meeting her and their children once uh, back in the day where I had a lunch my, with, my with... big con- sorry to interrupt you guys but my, but my big concern of it is we have, we've experienced this with fighters haven't we I mean yeah. we've just been through a thing yeah. over the last year with John Jones for example again another domestic violence case and we've seen it on countless occasions in the past with fighters being being linked to domestic violence. Now the problem is, is that it's not going to go Dana away. From, it's not going to go no, away, I, is it? Of course. And we've <laughs> seen in the past that Dana White has obviously addressed these issues about fighters. He's the president of the company. We look to him for guidance. We look to him to be the shining light, don't we? And he obviously casts judgment or casts penance or or casts aspersions on other people's situations and and rules how they're, they're then integrate into the UFC. My problem with it is now is that if he remains in position, and I think he will remain in position, how then do we tackle domestic violence issues that fighters get themselves involved well, in going forward? And even, it's, it's, it's not even nothing possible and, and, and to even, do. And even more than that, Adam, um, you know, the the the, the he, I think, in my view... Dana has to come out and be very public about it. He's got to be public about it. Like you say, he's commented before in the past. This is a guy 
who has something like 17 million followers, and he's, a, he's, he's an extraordinary character. He's a very, very influential man. You know, I mean, I, reading some of the things and reminding myself of some of the things this week, close to Donald Trump, President of the United States, close to so many big figures, Hollywood stars. He, he's one of, mm. He is one of the big names globally, not just in sport, but in America. And I think... Yep. Also, what's fascinating, and this is a kind of media thing that hasn't been reported here in the mainstream media. We've no. had it on Sky Sports News. Imagine, I'm, I don't want to pick Sir Alex Ferguson, but imagine no. someone with that weird. kind of resonance had the sim- a similar situation. There would be a relentless call for the knighthood to be removed and the person to yep. be removed from their role or their chairmanship and all those things. We, it hasn't been anywhere. Yeah. Very serious note to end on there, but you've been listening to the Fight Night podcast with me, Gareth Davis, Adam Catterall, my co-presenter, of course, always with me. Don't miss out. We're every week. And next weekend, we are live at Misfits. Come and join us live on TalkSport. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tapiphone.